Hello, welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple. And we have another interview for you coming up with a very special guest. But first, I just want to give you a quick update. At the time of this recording of this episode, we're rolling, literally, physically, into marathon season and also November, which is Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. We've had runners either running, having just finished, or getting ready for races in Berlin, London, Twin City, Chicago, and New York City, and other events across the country. We also have gym, gyms and group fitness teams hosting push-pull events and all sorts of other fundraisers. And I just wanted to say a, a big thank you to everyone who's helping to spread awareness, raise funds, and help us fight for a world without pancreatic cancer. If you'd like to see how you can get involved, visit projectpurple.org and follow Project Purple on all social media channels. Without further ado, let's meet our special guest today on this episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I am super excited to introduce our community and our audience here on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts to Mr. Ryan Welsh of our Welsh. I got to say that, say that 10 times in a row, Ryan, right? R Welsh coaching. I think I butchered it again because I, I have <laughs> the Italian in me, like the S and the H go together. But Ryan Welsh of R Welsh coaching, who's the founder, who is, I'm excited to announce, man, you're going to be training our run teams here as we enter into the new year. So welcome to the Project Purple team as our endurance coach. Welcome to the Project Purple podcast. That was a mouthful. I've spoken a lot. <laughs> I'm going to hand it over to Ryan. No, well, it's uh, it's great to be on. I was, uh, my instinct was about to be, you know, great to meet you, except, uh, you know, Dino, we, we've known each other, I think, for seven or eight years now. And uh, it's pretty special for me to uh, begin working with some of the Project Purple athletes, considering my start in running, which I, I'm sure we'll get into on the podcast, um, you know, was with uh, this cause, was with this team and, um, uh, you know, a faithful encounter with you. So uh, it, it's pretty great now to be in a position uh, to start giving back to some of the beginner runners and, and helping them on their journey uh, to find meaning in their miles. So it's pretty crazy. And I'm glad you bring that up. And so I'm super excited. Um, you know, I was driving in today, man. And and this is, uh, you know, we're, we're recording this. This is November 1st. This will air in a couple of days. And, you know, we're in pancreatic cancer awareness month, right? And you, you think about impact and I actually was on my run this morning and, you know, I always feel like a lot of pressure in November, right? Because the spotlight's on us, right? But I also feel that every day is like World Pancreatic Cancer Day. We come to work, I come to work every day, like hammering, you know, awareness for this this disease. And uh, I knew we had this podcast and I was kind of thinking about this morning, man. And I was like, wow, man, like, yeah, if, if what you just said kind of resonates with me. If you think about it, like, so we met... I think it was like the 2014 New York 14. City half in yep. the expo. Yep. And your mom had just recently gotten diagnosed. You ran, yep. you were running for another group or maybe you had your own entry. But then I saw you then that year at the, at the full stopped yep. in Brooklyn and you were running with Fred's team and just like, you know, everything that transpired. And it's just really wild 
you know, that now that, and I know before we hit record, we were just kind of catching up, just talking about, you know, things here, you know, how things have kind of exploded uh, with people wanting to be engaged in community events and staffing mm-hmm. and everything and, and how, which is, these are all great things, right? That, that coming out of the pandemic, that people want to get together, they want to raise awareness, they want to do these things. And it's just wild because you think about like how we interacted and how we connected was through a community event. And, you know, for our audience listening at home, I'm not trying to get religious or, you know, throw anything in, into anyone, but it's just kind of wild how sometimes, you know, whether there's a higher calling, whatever you believe in, the stars align. But, you know, to meet a complete stranger, right, at the New York City Half Expo, you yep. know, in 14, and then, to see you out on the course there at the full and then to have you be part of the community over the years. And I don't want to steal your thunder, but then to see like where this, and I I've talked about this on the podcast, like sometimes there's this arch or arc that people are on, right? This journey in life. And you have to go through these certain things to get to this end result, which is not the end, but like where we are today. So it's just kind of really, powerful for me to kind of see that with your journey, you know, and, and you and I become friends. Like we ran into each other in Chicago a couple of years, about last year, right. Or a year before. Yeah. Right, yeah. At, at, a, at a restaurant. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Like I had my back and you walked by me in the hotel and, you know, so yeah. like there's these little things that happen, man, in life that, um, you know, I, I I'm going to jump off the, the reminiscing trail here or the reminiscing bus and, and talk a little bit more about your background and, and, Super excited to have you on with us now uh, as part of the, the team, helping, uh, like you said, helping our runners um, reach their goals and, and get there. So before we get to that, let's talk about your background because uh, you've got an amazing story. And I know we just teased a bunch of it, but let's uh, let's get the audience to kind of make sense and, and hear more about it, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, grew up in the, the Princeton, New Jersey area, um, two parents that were high school teachers, coaches, um, you know, so grew up in a household where, you know, academics were really important and also, um, playing youth sports was really important. Uh, grew up as a football player, basketball player, ended up, uh, going down to college in Virginia at Washington and Lee university, a small division three college where I went on and played four years of college football and, you know, graduated in 2010 and, was getting ready to kind of like, you know, start my, you know, I'll call it my, my real life, uh, my adult life, uh, coming back to the Jersey area, uh, plans to, you know, work in finance in New York. Um, and kind of all of that hit like a screeching halt for me. And it was the summer right after, um, I had graduated college. I, I had the unfortunate circumstance that, uh, my father had taken his own life. Um, and you know, that was something that hit me, you know, like nothing had, had ever hit me before. And, and I know some of the people that listen to this pod, I'm sure have, have dealt with hard news before and, and, you know, being 22 years old and having that first, um, you know, bout of like really, really hard news, the finality of, of losing someone. Um, it, it was tough on me and it was, it was brutal and, and going through that transition into adult life and my first, you know, career sort of job, um, you know, trying to, to make all, the pieces fit together and, and asking a lot of questions of why and how did that all happen? Um, you know, it, it was a tough, tough, you know, I would say two to three year stretch for me, but 
in that time, um, you know, my mom became like the person that I leaned on most. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to carve out my niche in the world, make it in a job, um, you know, going through the hardship of, you know, failed relationships and uh, new friendships and uh, new hobbies and, and whatnot. And, and it was actually, uh, you know, during that time uh, that I that I got into mixed martial arts fighting. Uh, so for two years, I I was doing amateur mixed martial arts fighting. Um, you know, a lot of my friends would say it was just because I was very frustrated and and wanted to to find an outlet. Um, and and I finally gave that up because I was uh, I was going into like a, a banking style job in New York with black <laughs> eyes here and there. So it was uh, I started to realize it probably wasn't a good look for my career. Um, but through through all of that, you know, I was I was finally kind of growing as, as a young man and a young adult, and and really leaning on my mom as as kind of the number one person um, for for guidance in in my young life. Um, and, and it was then you know early 2014 uh, that you know kind of transitioning to a bit of what Dino was talking about. Uh, we got hit with the news that you know something had showed up on a scan after she had gone and seen, um, you know, a couple different doctors for some, you know, digestive issues, some, you know, abdomen pain, um, you know, eventually, uh, a scan showed something that landed her suddenly, um, in Memorial Sloan Kettering. Uh, and, and that's where, you know, again, when you're, you're young and you're not exposed to this stuff and, and it's new to just your family in general, um, you're asking all sorts of questions. You know, what, what is, what do you mean uh, something showed up on a scan? What do you mean we're getting checked into this huge cancer center? What, what is a biopsy? Um, you know, what, what, you know, deems results to be conclusive. Um, when do you, do you get a diagnosis? If you get a diagnosis, what does all the staging mean? Um, and, you know, it was a few days later that that we understood that um you know she was being diagnosed with stage three pancreatic cancer um and you know to me you know and i've i've kind of i think i've told dino this before it was like at first i i was like you know you see i don't know the the shit on the movies and whatnot of like oh you know people battle cancer they beat it or you hear about celebrities and athletes and all these like stories of overcoming, right. Um, of people, um, beating this and, you know, people saying it's all about, you know, mentally how you approach it and everything. And I, I thought I was like, you know, we're going to like beat this thing. I, I don't know anything about pancreatic cancer, but we're going to beat this thing. Um, and, and to be honest, I, I remember, you know, going for a little walk after, you know, two days at, at Sloan and, and Googling pancreatic cancer, staging survival rates and like i almost like dropped to my knees when it was like stage three survival rate beyond five years was and Dino, you, know, you can correct me if i'm wrong it's probably like three or four percent and i i you know it, it tore me up uh to think like whoa like it, it, this isn't like i thought anything less than 50 percent was gonna like shocked me and this was less than five percent and i and you know so that that took me down a rabbit hole of many days of like googling more about it and trying to understand more and um and it was around that time that i was like you know i just need to go freaking do something and you know signed up to do a half marathon and and that's you know the story dino was was telling of 
you know, I walked into this expo and it was like, something was like calling to me. I see this table, you know, running to be pancreatic cancer. And I was like, I went over and I started talking to Dino and I got all choked up. And, you know, I, I was just, you know, a guy that didn't even know what I didn't know at that point. You know, I was asking him a lot of questions about the doctors and, and the procedures and the chemotherapy and, um, you know, the outlook and, and all this stuff. And, you know, we were really just connecting over trying to, um, you know, navigate the, the resources and getting oriented to, um, you know, just, just how hard it is having a loved one go through all of this. Um, and, and, you know, for, for context, the, the reason I decided to even start running was my, my mom historically had always been a runner, half marathons, marathons, things like that. Um, I always thought she was crazy. <laughs> I thought it was like, you know, why, why would anyone just go jog, uh, for fun? Why, how is that enjoyable? Um, I, you know, I, I never, I never ever wanted to do it. I think before I ran that first half marathon, I had, or before I started training for that one, I had never run more than three miles in my entire life. Like was like, no, this is just not for me. Um, but suddenly like just found myself drawn to, really initially the the stress relief that I was getting from just going out and running and um you know with uh the you know having the context of my my father being gone and my mom going through the battle of her life um you know I have two sisters as well but I I definitely felt this pressure to to step up and and be the person that my mom could lean on and that would go with her to all her appointments and her chemotherapy sessions and um, you know, it, it was, it was a lot and it was, you know, waning on me and running became like this number one outlet for me to just let the stress of my day and all the pressure drip off of me and to kind of collect my thoughts on everything that was going on in my life. Um, and you know, as Dino had mentioned, it, it ended up, I ended up parlaying that into, you know, somehow deciding to run a marathon. Um, and that was, you know, in that marathon in Brooklyn ended up seeing him on the side of the street. And so that, that first one I was running with Fred's team, but, uh, I saw him on the side of the street and I ran over, um, and I had hugged him and, you know, it was, it was a, a great moment. Uh, and, and after that marathon, like I, I was, I was pretty hooked on, uh, just, you know, not just the running piece, uh, being a stress reliever for me, but making my miles meaningful and, kind of getting to a point where, you know, putting my story out there and, and raising money um, and, and, you know, getting involved in, in more races. And um, so, yeah, o over time, uh, I think uh, I ended up uh, running Chicago with you guys and Boston, Boston and another, yeah. and another New York. And we, uh, we ended up out in, in uh, Napa one year. Doing yeah, Napa that's right. Napa, Napa to Sonoma. I forget about yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I obviously, I, I continued on with the running stuff. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, my mom had, had eventually passed away, um, from pancreatic cancer. Um, but I, I kind of felt like a little bit of this carrying on her legacy, um, through running, um, and through continuing to make my miles meaningful and, and through, you know, continuing to ensure that, that her story and her memory, uh, would continue uh, to be told and continue to be at the heart of, of everything I do, um, that that's, that's active in the world of running. And, uh, so yeah, eventually, uh, I ended up taking running a lot more serious than I originally thought. And, uh, 
started uh, training pretty hard, joined a track club in New York. Uh, it ended up faithfully being the place that uh, I met my wife, uh, who I, I always like, you know, is much more talented runner than I am even. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, just over time ended up, uh, running seven full marathons, uh, five half marathons. I've done six triathlons, two half Ironmans. Um, you know, just, just absolutely love what the sport has given me. Um, but over the, you know, last, few years I, I've kind of uh as, as I would say become an old man in the sport and my body had started to get beaten up and I started to take uh you know an acute interest in other people's training and helping other people and particularly you know people that were newer to the sport like I once was and they were just trying to figure out uh you know how to build foundational fitness get themselves ready for any sort of race and uh you know from there started to to build out um you know this coaching thing so I know that was a mouthful, but I wanted to yeah, kind of so, give the full story. Uh, yeah. when, you know, we can get into some other details if you'd like. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind a little bit and and ask yeah. this question. So, you know, I know, you know, we've been friends since that that original, and I consider you a friend since the very beginning because of that connection, right? Um, and those that know get that, and those that don't, well, I don't know how to help you there. Uh you know, so we've been friends and following your journey and everything. And I know when you got like really serious into the running, um, you know, with the, 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 I think it was the Brooklyn track club, right? I think it was yep. Brooklyn, yep. right? Just give props to them. And, uh, you know, it, it, you know, you're following people's Stravas, right? Like you see all the, the data and you were ripping it off, man, like really, really going at it. And so, and, and you kind of, I know you mentioned this, but you meet your wife, right? Uh, yep. You know, love of your life, and you guys get married, and and your brother in laws run for us, right? And so, yep. you know, just this this whole thing. So I got to ask you this question. You know, which which probably the audience is is thinking about this, but so like running, you mentioned, you know, you you turn to running, hated running before your mom gets diagnosed, you turn to the running, you find how this positive thing is, but then you look back and like have you ever thought, and this is like the question that comes to my mind is like, if that never happened and you never ran, like, would you like your wife, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. all the, all the amazing relationships that you've built you, you know, through the years, um, the community, I know you were very involved in the Brooklyn. Now what you're doing now, you started, I know we haven't even talked about this, but you've got the Red Bank you know, run club there in Jersey. <laughs> yep. Yep. Right. So like you've got all these like amazing things, man. And like, do you ever sit back and think like, what if like none of this ever happened? No, it's actually at our, at our wedding. Um, my uncle gave a, a speech at the rehearsal dinner and he had kind of, you know, gotten a little bit into our story of meeting and everything. And, and he wanted to, you know, ensure that, you know, everyone remembered, um, you know, my parents and, and everything. And, and he pointed out kind of exactly what you were talking about, you know, the, the way that fate aligns on things. And he was like, you know, think about this, like everyone, um, has had a couple laughs about how they can't believe you got so into running. Right. <laughs> um, but as, as we all kind of know, you would have never probably gotten as serious into it or even into it at all had your mom, 
um, not gotten sick, right? Like you decided to do that because you needed it as a stress reliever. Um, and you probably would have never signed up for that first marathon. And if you didn't do that, you wouldn't have gotten so, you know, uh, heavily involved in running. And it probably would have meant that you would have never shown up to that first day at that run club, that track club, because you were looking for, okay, now I'm taking this more serious. I want to find a group of people to run with, um, which means you would have never met your wife. Um, and also, you know, uh, Chris Chavez, uh, who was officiating our wedding, um, <laughs> Kara and I then met him through the run club. Um, so, you know, all these, uh, other people that started to come into my life and, you know, landing down here in Red Bank and starting our own run club down here now. And, and we've already, you know, met a ton of great people and friends. Um, it's, it's crazy that it is, um, become like, such a central point of, of my life outside of like work and everything. And, um, you know, it, it's funny. Cause like, I, I think sometimes when people, you know, like you, you get in a setting and be like, you know, what's a fun fact about you? Like, or what's a, whatever. And, uh, I, I feel like it's so cliche to say, like, you know, what's something you really like? Well, I really like running. And like, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. And it's like, no, no. But if you, if you really know like how much it's meant to me and how much it's impacted my life and, um, the relationships in my life and, and the stuff that I do outside of work. Um, it's, it's really just a wonderful thing. And, and even like you were saying, like, you know, now getting into the coaching stuff of it, it's, uh, it's just like funny to like, think about like Chicago marathon. I had a couple athletes running it. We obviously like my wife and I weren't able to be out there, but we're sitting, you know, in our living room at, 7am drinking coffee, refreshing the Chicago marathon app. And I'm jumping up and down at people's like splits through, um, you know, 5k, 10k and everything. And it's just like, it's funny to think like, uh, you know, you rewind 10 years ago. Like I, I wouldn't have been doing, thought I'd be doing any of this, uh, in my first house that I bought. So wild, man. And, and I guess my next question, and, and this is a loaded question. I have so many loaded questions, I guess, on this podcast. But And the question has come to me often. Um, do you ever look at, and I don't mean this in any disrespect, Ryan, do you ever look at losing your mom as a gift, the gift that provided you everything that we just talked about, your wife? running this community, the communities you have built. And what I mean by that is, and, and I've heard this and read this, like, right, like you have to go through such an immense pain and such tragedy to gain such a powerful thing in your life or, or things in your life, right? Like yeah. if that didn't happen, like who knows, right? Yeah. It, and it, it's, you know, like, I, I think when you've gone through, um, you know, really tough loss. And, and for me, you know, it's happened twice with, with both my parents. Um, and I think like to truly overcome, you've got to be able to find, uh, silver linings in, in that sort of tragedy. And, and when you're in that sort of rut or that sort of ditch and you're trying to climb your way out and, and you're sitting there looking at how far you've got to climb to get yourself and your family and, everyone out of like that low, low of like, you know, the depths of grief. And, um, you know, like my friends actually have, have like joked with me because they like, can't believe like all this, like you had said, all the, the things that I've turned into a positive and spun into a positive in my life out, out of this, they were like, you know, man, like you could have had every excuse to, to not like, to not do well. Right. Like, and to just like, like you could have gone down a path and, um, 
and I don't think anyone would have like been surprised or or like you know mad at you like if you had gone down a path where you stopped caring about the relationships in your life and you were really angry at people and you know like god forbid you ended up like leaning on drugs or alcohol like they're like that has happened to people because of things you have gone through and to be able to find silver linings and and find you know the positives and the gifts in in what has happened um you know, it, it, you've got to like, kind of like mentally wrap your head around like an ability to overcome by looking at those positives. But, uh, you know, I'll admit, and I think, you know, too, it, it's hard to find them right away. And, um, you know, I think like at first when you're, when you're sitting in that depths of despair and frustration, it's hard to think that anything positive could come of this. But, um, you know, I think just like that mindset of like, of trying to like slowly, get out of that place um and then being open to um you know the great things that that can come into your life afterwards um i, I think that, that that's important and uh yeah so it is it is a little crazy um you know the the fact that uh i think like some of the silver linings of this have have completely changed the entire trajectory of my life um and i think that you know my mom would look at that and and smile and and be happy that that this is kind of the the life and the path that that i've chosen and that a lot of it is because of the legacy she left but you know i i i you know i can't lie it, it is a little hard when you know, here and there, my wife, Kara will, you know, someone will say something about my mom or show us a picture. And the fact that like everyone, you know, knows like she came into my life after she came into my life, we met through running, I hated running until, you know, my mom got sick. And, and sometimes it, it's hard for her that like, she's like I, like, I never got to be a part of that part of your life, right? When your mom was here. Um, and I always hear about how special she is and how, you know, the way you've carried yourself afterwards is because of her. And I think it's really neat. And it's, you know, like for her, sometimes it's, it's almost tougher that she never got to meet that person. And, um, you know, so, so it definitely, um, you know, carries on in, in our lives and our relationships. Um, and, and yeah, like, you know, I, I wish she could have met her, but it, like you had said, there's maybe a chance that Karen and I would have never met. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is a wild, wild world. So special, man, that, that you're able to, um, provide that insight. And, and I, I can't echo that sentiment more. And I think something that you just said is just so powerful. And I, I think as society, we are always looking for the quick fix, like, to, to fix everything overnight. But to your point, as you said, it's like these small incremental positive things, like as bad as things are, like they, you know, you got to look and you got to fight for those little positives, right? It's yep. not going to change overnight. Um, it's going to take time, but if you stay on track and you, and you keep working towards those positives, eventually, um, you will find that, you know, and, yeah. and you got to work towards that. And and that's, that's the big thing. And like, to your point is like, Hey, you could easily go on down that road of substance abuse, alcohol. Yeah. Um, but you decided not to, and that's a, that's a small choice or a big choice, but a small yeah. decision not to do that. But that's one of those things. Right. So 
that was so powerful. And I, I now I want to shift gears because we want to talk about running and coaching and, and people yep. in our community here. And yeah. we're not going to dive in deep, deep, deep into training. But, you know, like the number one question is like, how do people get started? Right. I think that'd yeah. be a great place to start. And clearly there's people of all walks, all different lives, all different activity lifestyles. So let's just, for this purpose of this, this, this round, someone who's never run anything before Ryan, how do they get started? How do we get them off yeah. the couch uh, to like, you know, a half marathon or 5k or 10k? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I would think about it in, in three components. And the, the first is what's your why? Um, and, and, you know, for, for the purposes of, of project purple, I think, you know, a lot of people sign up for project purple. They have a very serious, um, very, you know, uh, fo focused why. Um, but for a lot of people, you know, in, in all walks of life, it, it's different, right? Um, you know, like if, if you're thinking about starting an exercise routine, you're thinking about running, you're thinking about signing up for a race, there's usually like an inflection point that you can remember where you were like, man, I really got to do something. I really want to get up off the couch and get out there. And, and, you know, for some people, it might be weight loss. For some people, it might be like I was saying originally stress relief. Um, for other people, it might just be they want to, you know, change the accountability in their routine. Um, you know, that, but everyone has a, a specific inflection point where this thing goes off in their head and they say, I don't know, next week, tomorrow, whatever it is, like, I, I got to get out that door. I want to do this. I want to start a new routine and, and any sort of net new routine, uh, especially one that can, that, uh, is exercise related, uh, is hard to do because it, it inherently puts, um, additional stress on your body. But I tend to think like, if you can continue to come back to that, that why that original moment that you had said, I want to get out the door, I want to do this. I want to, uh, feel better. I want to feel different. Um, it can, it can give you power. It can, you know, propel you. And, and for some people I tell them, you know, like it, it, if it's not enough to always like think about it, write it down and put it somewhere. Um, you'll put it on your fridge, put it on your bathroom mirror. Um, I, I joke with people, uh, like when I first started, uh, I wrote it down and, and I put it on my monitor in my office, uh, in downtown Manhattan. Uh, cause that was back when everyone went to an office every day. Right. <laughs> and I always like to, to try to like, you know, ensure I would get out the door, um, and do it after work. Um, and, and so then the, the next suggestion would be, um, if you're starting something new, like running or exercise, um, have a plan and try to stick to it. And when I say like, you know, have a plan, especially like early on, doesn't need to be like, Hey, I'm going to plan out the next two months of my life and you know, whatever, like we know things get in the way, we know priorities change. Um, but I like to think that by Sunday night of any given week, you have a pretty good idea of where you're going to be at what times, what your commitments are, whether it's with your kids, with your job, with your social life, um, from Monday through Saturday of, of that week. And so sitting down on Sunday night and um, making a commitment to what I'm going to do, when, where, for how long, um, and recording it somewhere. Um, you know, like you can do it in 
Google Sheets. You can do it in the Notes app on your phone. I mean, like sometimes I'm like on the fly, and I used to be like taking the subway into to work on on a Monday morning. I'd be in my Notes app, and I would just be like, like this would be like my sixth iteration of like this week, like Monday six to seven p.m. West Side Highway, four miles, like whatever it is, right? Um, and just like having the accountability to commit to when and where you're going to do it. And again, for a lot of folks, if you have kids, right, the the scheduling and sequencing might feel or look a little different. Um, if you work from home, it might be like a noon to 1 p.m. or um, it might be like a 6 to 7 p.m. one day or it might be a 7 to 8 p.m. I actually had a friend uh, who has three uh, kids and and he's training for a half Ironman right now. And, and he said uh, he does a lot of his running at night. And of course, it's dark out. Um, he can't bike when it's dark out and you know, obviously can't go to the pool when it's uh, um, closed, but he was like, uh, you know, I started to realize the seven to eight p.m. hour that that's the dad's running hour. He's like, I always see a lot of dads <laughs> out there um, because it's like they've just put the kids to sleep. They're getting out there and and showing that level of accountability. Um, so I think you know, making a plan, committing to it, sticking to it, and and just making that plan four to five days out. Um, and when you do that, I like to think about judging your progress in three week increments. So again, back to your point about, you know, when you were, when, when I was you know, stricken with, with grief and, and, you know, feeling like I needed to like come out of that, like trying to like expect you yourself to feel immediately better one day later is not going to happen. And it's same with, with exercise or running, um, I, I actually tell people it's sometimes like when, when they're trying to understand like, well, you know, running is hard or, or exercise is hard, you know, like, and everyone wants to see results immediately and, and you're not going to see it like day one, probably not after even week one. I like to think that it's, it's kind of similar and comparable to when you start a new job. And I think like anyone uh, that's listening has probably at some point started a new job, but even your first job. Right. Um, and that, you know, it's really scary day one to, to start something new where you don't know everyone and you don't know how to do the job. And then by end of week one, you feel like you're there and you know everyone and you've got a little bit of a routine, but you're still like, ah, I don't feel comfortable just yet. And then week two happens and then week three happens. And usually people will say, you know, by the end of week three or four, you know, like you look back and you're like, okay. I feel like I work here now. I, I come in at this time. I get my coffee. I, I do this from this time. I got my meetings set. I, you know, I've got a predictability around my schedule, right? Uh, so exercise can kind of be like starting a new job in that, like that first week, it, you know, it's going to be, there's a little anxiety, a little nervousness. Um, it's all, a, a lot of it is going to be completely new for your body. So um, it might not feel normal. And week two is there's going to be, little bit more of the same, but I tend to think by the end of three or four weeks, most people will feel a measurable change in, in the way they feel, um, you know, the, the level of ease that, that, um, they're able to, uh, embark on, you know, whatever it is that they're doing exercise wise. Um, so, so being able to have a plan, commit to it week to week, don't rush to judge your progress after just a couple of days or just a week, but start to think about your progress after three weeks. If you have demonstrated um, a level of accountability throughout those three weeks to, to do what you've committed to. And then the last thing is just like, try to keep it fresh and try to keep it interesting. Um, and, and by that, I mean, you know, a, a few ideas here, right? Like 
first and foremost, if it's, if it's completely net new to you and um, you, you kind of want to just like build out a base level of, of fitness or whatever it is on your own, um, you know, you don't have to just go out and run. Walking is fine too. Um, walking to start is, is totally, totally um, okay. And it is definitely in my book considered exercise. Um, and when you do that, I think like a great thing to do is uh, you know, your watch or your phone or whatever is can track your steps. Right. And, and try to say like, Hey, today I want to get 8,000 steps in, I want to get 10,000 steps in, I want to do a little more tomorrow. Um, and I think that, that that's a great starting point is, is walking. If you're getting, just going from the couch to outside, like walking and tracking your steps and incrementally adding steps is a really good starting point from there. You can start to phase in small little pickups and, um, you know, for, very serious runners, like a fart lick is kind of like mm-hmm. a hard workout, but actually for beginners, it's a really good thing too, because a fart, like an example would be, you say, you're going to go out for 30 minutes. And what you're going to do is you're just going to jog for one minute and then you're going to walk for one minute and you're going to jog for one minute and you're going to walk for one minute. And you're going to do this till you get to 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Um, and for a lot of people, that's a great entryway into jogging. Um, if you've started to build up a base of, of walking, it's also just a, like a, a fun way to mentally get past the miles, um, without thinking about, well, like what, you know, how many miles have I gone? It's more just like, get through this minute, get through this minute, get through this minute. Um, and then, you know, again, when I was saying, you know, try to keep it fresh, keep it interesting, keep it fun. Um, in most communities, I would bet my bottom dollar that you can find a run club. Um, and when I say like find a run club, like it is not like this serious, crazy, oh, it's going to be so intimidating. Uh, you know, an example, this Red Bank Run Club group we've started, we meet every Wednesday at 6 p.m. at a bar. We go out for a jog. There's a three mile group and a five mile group. I would say 90% of the people do the three mile group uh, and they all rush back to the bar, grab a beer and everyone catches up and talks and it's, it's a great way to meet people, um, to be, you know, part of, of the community, uh, a little more and to like make the miles go by with a little more ease. And, uh, the great thing too, is that like a lot of the people that have met each other at the run club at varying levels of, um, fitness or expertise, um, or experience then connect and are like, Hey, wait, you're trained for the New York city marathon too. Oh, you know, like I've got, 15 miler I want to do this Saturday should we go do it and then the other end of the spectrum is like there's you know some uh you know young like new moms who are just getting back into jogging who are like hey like I was just going to do like three miles with the stroller this Saturday and get coffee like would you also want to come and you know a couple folks will get together and do stuff like that um on their own time so um you know by by keeping it interesting keeping it fresh um there's always always uh small run groups in i think every pocket of the country uh where you can find other people that are you know just looking to have fun with their miles and uh and if there isn't if there somehow isn't uh you could be like me and just you know start one in in your local town bars love to have people come um especially on wednesdays or thursdays coffee shops love to host groups um, for mornings on the weekends or even weekdays. Uh, so that, that is a great starting point. If you're thinking about, let me try to get a run group together. Again, you've got social media and you've got bars and coffee shops are always willing to host people to drive business there. I love it, man. Some great stuff there. So, uh, 
I, I, I'm excited. This is awesome, man. And I, I think, you know, the, the, the one that resonated me the most, just me personally, is the planning, right? If you don't plan, if you don't have a plan, you fail, right? And, and so that's just anything that you want to achieve in life, whether it's running, <laughs> work, family, life. Uh, if you don't have a plan, you uh, you know, you're, you're, you're going to fail. So, um, whatever you are looking to achieve. So great, great stuff there, Ryan. I've got one last question and then we're going to share with our audience where they can learn more, maybe learn more about the, the run club there in Red Bank. I yep. wish you were closer. I'd love to, uh, go and grab a beer on a Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, but so before we get there, uh, this is pertinent to you, and, and this is a, a loaded question, as as most of mine are. Uh, this is also probably our most popular question, and given your experience, because you've had experience with it, um, this isn't related to coaching or anything, but um, it could be, I guess. How do you define the word pancreatic cancer? In your experience, your life, what's your definition of it? Oh man, that that's a a really hard question because I think that there's, uh, you know, obviously knowing my story, there there's varying levels of of how I've felt about this disease and and um, you know where it, it has taken me to you know like I said the depths of despair and then coming out of it and putting my life on a completely different trajectory. Um, so I I would say that toughness is is how. I would define it um, because the people that have gone through that diagnosis, the people that have gone through the treatment, and then also folks like us who have kind of been on these different layers of um, being involved on the periphery and watching loved ones go through it. um, I feel like there is a level of toughness and grittiness that when I meet someone that's like, yeah, my dad just went through this or I lost a loved one to it, you know, 10 years ago. Um, there's like this look that, you know, you can kind of tell like this person's tough as fucking hell. Like, and, and I know that whatever their loved one went through, um, you know, whether they survived it or didn't survive it, that, they demonstrated the utmost grit um, in going through what they went through in chemotherapy and surgeries and endless levels of doctor's appointments. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's just like everyone that's in this, um, you know, someone had told me this when, when my mom had gotten diagnosed and um, he, his wife was going through ovarian cancer at the time. Um and he could sense, you know, how, how upset I was, uh, over all of it. And he like gave me a hug and kind of laughed with me and said, you know, it's weird. Cause now you're in this fraternity that, that I've been in, uh, for a while. And there's other people that I meet in my life that become very important who are also in this fraternity. And I'm laughing with you because, um, now you and I are about to share a bond uh, that, that we probably hadn't gone that level to before, um, because you're in this fraternity that nobody wants to be in by the way. Um, but the fact that we're in this, this, you know, fraternity that people don't want to be in, we know that we can lean on each other and depend on each other. Um, and you know, I, I always think about that moment when I hear of another friend, um, 
that that has a loved one that that's going through something um and particularly um you know you you actually you've met uh my friend drew cologne who ran chicago with you last year and drew and i got so much closer um you know when his dad was going through everything and um you know just the again the level of toughness that i watched drew exhibit a guy who never ever 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 would have uh wanted to run goes out there runs chicago um and just said like he had to do it that's what he told me he's like i have to do this for my dad um so yeah so when i think about the definition of pancreatic cancer you know sure some of the statistics aren't great and some of the the stories um that people have are are tough to hear but i think the that most of the people that um are involved on the periphery of this disease are are tough as uh, tough as hell the like the tough men, most mentally tough people um that i've come across um and and i think that there is you know a level of of pride in in that you know being in this fraternity within the fraternity of cancer um that there is just to me a uh, a culture of grittiness with the people that um have have been around this specific cancer it's powerful stuff man uh you couldn't have said it uh i mean it was awesome uh you know there's no right or wrong to that and i just love hearing different people's perspective and, and how they go down this journey and how they define it. Um, uh, because it's, uh, it's powerful. You know, this is what we're sharing we're sharing for the people that are listening, you know, that maybe get diagnosed and they hear that, you know, maybe that's that one piece this week to get them through this week, right. To keep them going. So, uh, it's awesome. All right. Last thing here, audience listening. Well, I'm going to preface it this before we let you say what you're going to say. If you want Ryan to coach you, you got to join a Project Purple team. Yeah, <laughs> selfishly, yeah. right? And, so we and listen, and I'd say, listen, I, you know, like I, I know today we we just touched on some of the beginner get off the couch running tips. Um, but you know, I, I coach people of all levels, people that are just trying to to run their first 5k or their first half marathon, people that are trying to run their first marathon all the way up to, you know, people that are trying to Boston qualify, you know, run very, very fast marathons and, and then everything in between, you know, goals all over the, the spectrum. Um, so happy to help you, uh, on your journey. Uh, I would say that, uh, even more than, uh, my, my own achievements in running, uh, I get a special, sort of gratification when I see other people, uh, achieve what they want to achieve, especially the people that'll tell me, you know, a year ago, I would have never thought this was possible. And, and now I'm doing it. Uh, and I think that that's, that's a special transition for anyone. And, and most specifically, um, those people that I'm talking about, those tough as nails, people that are, are going through something and using, uh, running and project purple as their outlet. It's awesome. So, You'll be uh, coaching all our 23 teams with the New York City half, which we haven't, I guess we are publicly announcing it right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> our London Marathon, our, uh, gr we, we haven't finalized some deals, so I won't mention some names, but <laughs> Ber Berlin, um, Chicago, and then we'll be back in New York City for the full for 2023, right? So all these great races, plus many more. So that's the first place, but 
clearly if someone's out there, Ryan, maybe they live in the Red Bank area and they want to come and meet with you, uh, with your group, or someone lives out in California and they just love what you had to say and they want to work with you. Where's the best place for people to connect with you on social media, email, website? Uh, Where's that place? Yeah, yeah. So um, email is a great starting point. I'm at rwelsh12 at gmail. That's r w e l s h 12 at gmail.com. Um, on Instagram, you can find me at r underscore Welsh coaching. Um, and then if you are in the Jersey area and want to stop by uh, the run club and have some fun with us, you can follow us at Red Bank Run Club on Instagram. Uh, we post weekly meetups, runs. And actually, I was going to say, uh, we're, we're, uh, the group is so social that now we're starting to schedule non-running events, uh, just people getting together for, you know, Friday happy hours and stuff. So, um, you know, if you're looking to meet people, you're new to the area, whatever it is, um, you know, you can feel free to, to reach out to our run club um, and, and come join us for anything. Awesome. Ryan, thank you for all you'll be doing for Project Purple. And thank you for being a guest on the Project Purple podcast. Thanks, Dino. I'm so excited to begin working with everyone. Awesome. Thank you for listening and watching to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. If you like this episode, feel free to share this episode wherever you listen to podcasts. And please make sure to follow us on our YouTube channel and also follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Till next time, please be safe. And that's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. Okay.